But with throwing programs that are traditional and available um, right now, it, they make a mistake that both volume, the number of throws, and intensity, the effort of throws, are going up linearly. Hey, this is More Than Velocity with Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera. I am Bart Pear, and today we are going to continue um, our workload monitoring that we were talking about. Um, you know, we did some pitch pitching count guidelines in the last podcast, talking about in season, and now we want to focus on off season and what kind of um, what kind of program makes sense for the off season and what that looks like. Uh, and, and really get into the details of that so you know how to best prepare yourself um, for the rest of the year when, when, when you need to be ready. So, uh, Ryan, I know this is, um, and, and this is something that's going to be available on our site uh, and, you know, through some of the courses that we do and stuff, but um, this is definitely something I think you guys should check out, and I'll put some links um, once it's ready uh, in the notes here. But, but let's talk about the off season, Ryan. Sure. So, you know, the off season is, it's a time in which the body recuperates, but you're also training the body. So, you know, athletes who are playing this game of baseball, they should be on some type of strength and conditioning program um, in an off season throwing program. And, and those two things, they, they work together. Um, the biggest thing in developing your off season throwing program is knowing the end date, because whatever the end date is, you should be working back 14 to 16 weeks in progressing your throwing plan. Um, that just gives the opportunity to not have a quick spike in workload. And, you know, just as an overview of throwing programs in general, people have adapted their throwing programs from rehabilitation and it doesn't make sense. So, for example, in training, there is this relationship where if you increase intensity, you lower volume. So that means when you increase the effort of throwing, you actually throw less. Um, or there are wave-loaded patterns where you just have periods of very high intensity, high volume, periods of very low intensity, low volume. But with throwing programs that are traditional and available um, right now, it, they make a mistake that both volume, the number of throws, and intensity, the effort of throws, are going up linearly. So there's not a great opportunity to progress the throwing program with um, some deloading and, and some other aspects that are important for um, just health in general. So those are the two elements, I, I think, before we get into the specific ones that I wanted to talk about, is that you know the current state of throwing programs, they're not um, planned very well. The, the, the ramp up is too uh, significant and people don't give themselves enough time. Great. So before we get into the details, let's just talk about how important an off season is, uh, why you need to have one and in real general, what it, what it should look like. You were talking about, you know, strength and conditioning and some other things. So, um, and, and I, Maybe Jordan can jump in there too, um, you know, just in terms of why an off-season is important. Yeah, before I kind of let, let Ryan dive into the next part there, just, you know, on the state of the throwing programs of it, you know, one of my big complaints, whether it's in high school, college, you know, pro ball, no matter what your level of play is, is the throwing program 
like, like Ryan said, they're adapted from a rehab model. So they're already assuming that every player's going into the offseason just injured and wounded when it comes down to it, when you, when you adapt one of those throwing programs. And not every player is. Not every player needs a rehab program. Some of them need a quick recovery period, and then they got to start building up. You know, you got to build that endurance. You got to build that strength. You got to build those throwing volumes. And the big word right now is acute to chronic ratio. You know, and, you know, the assumption that it's always going to be a linear pattern, like Ryan was saying, is not the greatest way to approach an offseason for a healthy, ready to go pitcher. You, you got to have a different way to look at things. And obviously, you know, the way that things have been going now have not been lowering injuries. Uh, although there's way more information out there on what guys should be doing, if that makes sense. So, and obviously one of the ways to know where you're sitting as you finish your season is, is using the arm care app and it'll tell you, you know, you know, and it has an off season, um, phase to it as well. And it adapts the programming around that, but it'll give you a, a, a really good idea of where you are. Obviously, if you're injured, you know, you're injured, but, um, but in terms of, how much recovery you need and, and when you're going to be ready to really start pushing um, some, you know, some strength again. Uh, the app's a, g- a good guide for that. Yeah, just to give some clarity on that, because I've, I've had a lot of phone calls from people that didn't realize there's different sections you can put in on the app itself for where you're at in the season. You know, people didn't were aware there's a preseason, an in-season, and an off-season. And once they started understanding that, you know, it opened up their eyes to how just how much variation there is in the training through this as well. Um, so you just brought that up. I know we're not talking about that, but anyone listening to give clarity in the settings, make sure you're clicking that information. So you're, you're in the right season of where you're competing at. Absolutely. So there should be some time where you're not throwing at all. Um, how do we gauge how much time that should be? And, and, and what's the goal of that? Yeah, I mean, you you have to look at your competitive metrics. So I think, you know, Jordan and I had talked about if you got a pitcher that's throwing 80 innings, you know, whatever you would consider, um, you know, high for that athlete and the athlete could ask the coach, you know, did I, you know, how, how often was I used and also listening to the, the way that their body feels you know, it gives you the first initial phase of, of no throwing there. We, we do recommend there's a, a phase of no throwing from two to four weeks, you know, two on the low end. If, you know, the athlete didn't have as much of an intense uh, competitive season um, and four weeks, you know, if they, if they have. Um, and so, you know, the, the statistics, they matter. Um and I think athletes and parents and coaches should be aware and giving those details. So, you know, if I'm a player that played 80 games as a college player, that's a lot of games that, uh, you know, I might want to just give myself some recovery of four weeks per se, but during the, the recovery period where there's no throwing, they still need to maintain their arm care training. They still have to continually build their scapular stabilizers, their rotator cuff, make sure that they have appropriate mobility um, before entering back into the, the first phase of throwing. Explain the first phase of throwing. What does that mean? So the first phase, so this is an activation phase. We call it activation. And in activation, the athlete is throwing up to 90 feet. And the intensity level should be between a five or six at a 10 effort. So that, that 
it, it's essentially, you know, you're doing this three times a week. So you have a lot of recovery days in between. You're still giving the opportunity for the body to recover, but you're building back range of motion. You're building back the coordination of throwing. Um, and you can utilize this activation throwing. So to get used to it for points in the season where you want to deload, and we'll, we can talk about that later, but it's important to really get a grasp of what does activation mean because you can insert these activation days of 90 foot throws, five to six out of 10 effort to give the body an opportunity to recover while you're still throwing. Um, but we use this in the initial phase and that lasts for about two weeks. And so this is, yeah, this is the transition from not throwing at all into obviously throwing and you, you were calling it activation. And then we run into an elongation phase uh, next. And, and what's, um, what's the goal behind that phase? Yeah. So the, in elongation, um, you're basically, you're working back systematically until that you reach your, your maximum limit. Um, and, uh, it, it happens over a series of weeks, you know, for position players, they have to throw at further distances for a longer period of time. So they have a division of moderate elongation, which is from 90 to 150 feet focus. And then they go to maximum elongation for four weeks, which is, you know, going from past 150 feet. Um, but the pitchers, it's kind of blocked together because they need to get to their bullpens, which is a, a different feature of, of their phases. So, you know, elongation is just as it is. It's we're building back distance and that's going to increase range of motion. Um, what people might not know is that over 180 feet throwing maximally, it increases loads by 10 percent versus the mound for pitching. So the way that it has to be strategized is. You know, what we talked about is the rehab model is throw more, throw harder, um, throw with more intensity. So you're getting as long as you can and you're throwing more throws um, in the phase of elongation. You may need to put in an activation day. You know, it might make sense to put in an activation day on a Thursday or a Friday before the weekend to say, OK, I've thrown three times uh, pretty much at close to my max distance. I need to have a deload day where I'm throwing, but I'm giving myself some recovery. Um, and that allows the body to really regenerate. So th that's, you know, what we mean by elongation. And so that prepares them for bullpens and you've, you've got it broken out, um, into actually pitches as well. So you want to go into the detail of that? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get to the bullpen session and, in um, I think one note I want to make on the bullpen, uh, section for, for pitching, you know, there's an athlete that wants to do a velocity enhancement program and they check out on our velocity checklist and they're monitoring their strength and range of motion. Um, they need to have a couple bullpens, you know, at least a week of bullpens, two in a week that they can um, participate in before they're ready. And another thing about bullpens is the athlete has to schedule 72 hours rest between them. They need a lot of recovery. You know, so most programs I see a lot in pro ball, they do every other day bullpens. And that's a lot. That doesn't give a ton of recovery for the throwing arm. And when I was with the Angels, we sent out a survey to determine when the athlete's arm felt best. And a lot of the athletes within 48 hours, they, they still felt pain. Um, they still felt, still felt soreness at the beginning of the season. So, you know, you need to spread that to 72 hours. So a Tuesday and Friday bullpen makes sense. And you start with the intro to bullpen. When we talk about pitches, 
to start with 15 pitches and generally all fastballs to get the arm ready again. So, and, and the, the download we have, this is primarily at least the, at least the distances and the recovery dates. This is collegiate and pro. Would you change it for, for high school? Is there anything we, we'd modify? I, you know, I'd kind of lean on Jordan there. For me, I, I, I wouldn't because um, I think it's, it's pretty well structured. Um, but they may go from two, two bullpens in a week, um, you know, Tuesday and Friday to one, potentially, if they had like a Tuesday uh, bullpen. And we have Wednesdays off during this period, so they get a recovery day, and then they build up Thursday, and then they throw again their bullpen on Friday. So I don't know, Jordan, how do you feel? about high schoolers. I mean, I agree. Um, my big complaint with high school is they normally are coming right out of, you know, for instance, whether it's basketball, wrestling, you know, depending on your state, some of it's coming right out of football. So they haven't had that acclimation to build up. So, so long as they're working back and they're giving themselves time to get acclimated, they're good to go. But for me, the big, the big issue with high school is most of the time they're coming right out of basketball season they haven't thrown, and then they're just expected to hit these max workloads without that proper kind of ramp-up phase. So let's talk about off-season versus preseason, um, and these different age groups and, and how that fits in uh, so that if I'm a maybe I'm a parent, what does that mean? We're in off-season. Do we have enough time for an off-season if, you know uh, – how do I fit, how do I fit all this in? Yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes some planning, um, to prepare for baseball. I mean, the athlete needs to be on a strength and conditioning plan and a higher level athlete. Let's just start there. They would, they would probably do an upper lower body split. So that means they would do an upper body lift, let's say Monday and a lower body lift Tuesday and Wednesday would be off or a recovery day. And then they would have an upper or lower again on Thursday and then Friday. So they'd have be training four days a week. But for, you know, and that would be in the off season, getting towards the preseason, you either, you either continue that schedule and shorten the lifts. You do less work because now you need to do baseball related stuff. They might be fielding or they, you know, they might be throwing bullpens. They might be doing these things. Um, or for your younger athletes, you know, they may be fine doing a three day a week program. That's more total body. They do a Monday, they do a Wednesday, they do a Friday, um, and they fit their throwing in between. Now, I was a multi-sport athlete, and I made sure um, in the winter I went somewhere indoors to throw uh, after school, and it wasn't very long. I, I probably would only throw for about half an hour, like the whole thing with a warm-up and, and a throw. Um, athletes that are in warmer climates, they, you know, it's a little easier um, they don't have to go to an indoor facility, but you have to be scheduled. That's that's kind of the main thing is that athletes, they, they need a schedule. They need to understand where they have to be. And, you know, if I have basketball practice in the morning at, you know, 7, and then uh, I might have a game that day, and usually our games are at, like, 2 o'clock. Um, after school, I'd, I'd do a little homework, eat dinner, and then I would go and throw, you know, um, or I'd go and lift. But it's a, it's a commitment, you know, it's a, if they want to stay healthy um, and they want to be able to have, 
the greatest opportunity. They, they have to be able to have the commitment while they're still playing multiple sports. Jordan, you got anything there? I, I agree. <laughs> I can't add. So, all right. So if I'm a, let's say I'm a collegiate player, I'm looking, um, I, I grab this, uh, what, what do I do? I mean, walk me through back. Let's say I've, what target date am I picking? I'm picking to work backwards. So the day that I'm showing up at, you know, the collegiate facility, at, at what date am I starting? Is it opening day? What am I starting at to work backwards to figure out the time frames for this? Yeah, Jordan, you want to – Jordan's been yeah, in college. Yeah, so what I would always do for my guys is, you know, for my first starter, second starter, and third starter, I would just work back from, like Bart said, opening day. I want those guys ready to go, and I would work backwards from there. I'd find out where I'm going to be at in the season. The caveat with college is you need to understand when those guys are ending their summer ball season, how many innings they pitch from there. And, you know, for instance, if I had a guy that started, uh, you know, roughly the school year is about 28 to 32 weeks, depending on, you know, your division, if they're doing trimesters, semesters, things like that. So we had a guy who threw something like 110 innings for us. Uh, in the season, we'll just say it was to make things easy. We'll say it was twenty twenty one. He threw one hundred and uh, uh, ten innings for us, and then he pitched, you know, forty five innings in one of the collegiate leagues. So he had a heavy workload. So that guy, we programmed in four weeks of no throw, but we did a lot of training as soon as he got back on campus. We had four weeks of him not throwing, heavy arm care work, heavy foundational fitness work, really building that out, and then from there, we worked back that 14 to 16 weeks to make sure he's going to be ready to go for opening day. So we know when opening day is and we knew when he needed to start facing hitters, obviously using a very similar template to what Ryan's put together. And we just worked backwards from that point. And then once you know when the start date is and you know when their end date is of summer ball, you can fill the gaps in extremely easy in between based on the context of your setting, especially at the collegiate level. How does it vary at other levels? Similar concept, you're just uh, dealing yeah. with more or less time? Similar concept, and you know, I think Ryan kind of alluded to it you know, pretty well, that at the high school level specifically, it gets really hard because if a player's you know, multiple sports, you have to find time. You, know, you obviously need to be eligible. You have to put effort into schoolwork as well. Um, You've got to find time in your day to, to do some type of activation, keep your arm going, and do whatever – do whatever you can, really. Um, the one that usually works out pretty well, surprisingly, is quarterbacks. You know, they're usually throwing a different implement with, you know, one pound football, a little over a pound, whatever that exact weight is, but they're keeping their arm active with, you know, easy throws, high intensity throws. They usually get back into the baseball season a lot better than the guy who's playing basketball because they're keeping their arm active. So anything you can do to know when that start date is and work backwards is going to help you out. And then obviously communicate, communicate, and communicate. If you know you're the if if your if your main priority is baseball and you're playing basketball, communicate with the basketball coach to see if he's good with you sticking around in the gym for an extra 15 minutes after practice to get a little work in. Whatever it may be, if you communicate, communicate, and communicate most coaches are going to help you out. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely download, check this out. Uh, Ryan, anything to say to, to wrap this up? Yeah, no, I mean, I, we can't stress it enough too. If 
in this off season, if you're feeling discomfort at all, it's important that you get that checked out. I can't stress it enough that you should not be throwing through pain. Um, that's just kind of a cardinal rule that we have. And if it lasts longer than 48 hours and it doesn't resolve when you're warmed up, it's time to get it medically checked because you can make it worse and there's no sense of being injured in the off season. It's, it's really upsetting when that happens at any level. Absolutely. All right. Until next time.